Welcome to the Retire Right Podcast with Larry Heller. You deserve complete financial advice. There's no acceptable alternative if you want to plan to live well and on your terms. Complete financial advice equals complete peace of mind. Now, let's get into this week's podcast episode. Hello and welcome to Retire Right with Larry Heller from Heller Wealth Management. Larry, how are you today? I'm doing terrific, Eric. How are you this this afternoon? I am good. I'm uh, I'm excited. You've got another guest uh, almost in studio. You guys are close proximity office wise, but uh, she's not quite in the studio today. And and you're allowing me to do the bio, so I'm pretty excited about that. You ready? Ready. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> All right, today you've got Karen G. Birnbaum, Esquire, and Karen is a partner with Schwartz Ettinger, PLLC, where she concentrates her practice in the areas of estate planning, trust and estate administration, and elder law. She has over 10 years of experience advising clients on how to protect themselves, their loved ones, and their business in the event of death, incapacity, or disability. And I know today's focus um, is kind of on 10 common planning mistakes for divorced individuals, correct? 10 common estate planning mistakes for divorced individuals. I thought that's what I said, but I probably got it wrong. So I'm glad that you guys are talking about this today. It's an important topic, very very much so. Karen, I'm so glad you're on the show today. Larry, why did you bring Karen on today? Well, I thought it would be great not only talk about estate planning, but really estate planning when it comes to people that are divorced, because there's some other special needs in addition to individuals that they should be aware of. So uh, I thought we would kind of do a little bit interesting and do the top 10 common estate planning mistakes that uh, Karen has come up with. So uh, Karen, why don't we start off? Thank you for joining us today. I appreciate it. Karen's actually in the office right next door to us and we have worked together on a client. So uh, so she's terrific and uh, great to to talk to from a, both a layman's person and also a technical estate planning. So uh, for those people that are divorced out there and listening, well, let's talk a little bit about the estate planning mistakes not to make. So uh, Karen, what's the first mistake that comes to mind. Absolutely. Well, thank you, first, Larry, for having me here today. Um, so it, it's an actually uh, interesting topic, this common estate planning mistakes made by divorcees or people contemplating divorce, because I'm actually dealing with so many estates right now based on people who are in various stages of getting divorced. Um, so the, the biggest estate planning mistake and the worst mistake is to not even have an estate plan to begin with meaning no will, no power of attorney, no healthcare proxy. And what happens at various stages of whether you're separated but not fully divorced yet, or if you're divorced but haven't updated your estate planning documents, I don't know if you've seen that in your practice, but in my practice I'm dealing right now with two estates that come to mind um, that relate to this not having estate planning documents. So just a question on that. So if you're dealing with someone who's going through a divorce and they don't have a document, do you suggest they do it right away or wait until after the divorce is done? And what's the, would they have to redo it again after they're divorced? Well, they would have to redo it, but let's play it out. So for example, if you're uh, anybody, whether you're divorced or not, if you're married in the state of New York and you have children and you're, and you pass away, New York state goes ahead and writes a will for you. 
And that will says, the quote-unquote will, which is really called intestacy, the will says if you're married with children, the spouse gets $50,000 of your assets off the top, and the balance gets divided 50-50 between the spouse and the kids. So right off the bat, if you're separated but you're not legally divorced, your spouse is entitled to $50,000 and 50% of the rest of your estate. So if you don't have estate planning documents, you know your, your spouse you're separated from and something happens to you is going to get 50% of your assets. I, I don't think that's what they want. Um, at the same time, if you are married, you're not allowed to, according to New York State law, disinherit a spouse. So if you're separated from, from your spouse, what I would recommend is you give your spouse the minimum amounts that you have to according to the law until you're divorced, once you're fully divorced and you have that um, divorce agreement in place, then you update your will to say whatever you want it to say, but at least you're covered for that gap period when you're separated but not divorced. Uh, uh, great, yeah, great points. And, and what about the power of attorney and healthcare proxy documents? Those are a little bit easier to, to, re to get done, correct? Yeah, they're easier to get done. Um, I've never met somebody who says, let me name my divorced uh, spouse, you know, let, let my spouse make a, I mean, my ex-spouse make a healthcare decision for me, right? So absolutely, update those documents, have those documents in place, because again, if you're separated but not divorced, and maybe you're separated from a spouse that's uh, ill, has ill intentions, and, and you are taken to a hospital in an emergency situation, and the spouse comes in, do you want that spouse saying, Oh, we're married and going ahead and making a healthcare decision for you. No, you want to be the one driving the boat. You need to have these documents in place. You want to be the one to say what the documents, who should be making these decisions for you. And, and honestly, Larry, that, that leads me to the next uh, estate planning mistake because they go kind of hand in hand. Um, and if you don't mind, I'll, I'll go right into the next one is to even for people who have the estate planning documents to not update their estate planning documents, right? So a document, so for example, the healthcare proxy that names my spouse who I'm getting divorced from as my healthcare agent. I don't want that. I don't want my, you know, future uh, ex coming in saying, you know, Karen wants X, Y, and Z. I don't want him to have that opportunity. And the same thing for the power of attorney. I don't want him to have any access to my my assets. And just a, a little tidbit here is if I do have a power of attorney that names my soon-to-be ex or already ex or any of those categories, not only do I want to update the power of attorney, but I also want to make sure that if I've ever used the power of attorney before at any bank or with any attorney or at any clerk's office, that I go ahead and I give notice to all of these institutions that I've revoked this prior power of attorney, and I am now replacing it with a new one, appointing somebody different. So that's a big mistake that I see. So if I have a power of attorney and I name my spouse and I use this, at, I don't know, name XYZ bank, um, and now I'm, I'm in the process of getting divorced, well, I want to update the power of attorney, but how does XYZ bank know that I've updated the power of attorney? I need to now go ahead and notify them because I don't want my ill-intentioned spouse to go into XYZ bank using that prior power of attorney, and XYZ Bank wouldn't know any different. Yeah, so a, a couple things on this mistake number two. So if you're, if you're not legally separated, you're going through the divorce process, could you really change your will to not leave money to your, your spouse? 
Good question. So again, in New York State, you cannot disinherit a spouse. So your spouse is entitled to at least one third of your assets. Okay, so I wouldn't be able to fully disinherit my spouse, but I would be able to take my 100% that I'm ordinarily leaving to my spouse and move it down now to a third as opposed to the 100%. Yeah. Now, how many people actually kind of look at this while they're going through a divorce? I mean, there's so many emotions going through and we see people going through a divorce and so many other documents they need to get to their divorce attorney. So do you, do you see that people wait? usually until after divorce is done or 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 are divorce attorneys you know referring uh, potential people to you to get this done while they're going through a divorce it actually depends on your matrimonial or your family law attorney because if you have a thorough attorney they are going to say meet with your estate planning attorney and review your documents update your documents um, as opposed to hanging on because what happens is now you're in the process of getting divorced and something happens unexpectedly, well, now what? So I'll tell you right now, I'm dealing with an estate where um, some uh, husband and wife were separated, about to go through the divorce process. So they just sat down at the table for mediation. The husband went to sleep one night and didn't wake up, but they have been living separate for a few years already. Um, but he had a will that left everything to the wife, and that's what the will says. He never updated it. Now, he could have technically updated his will to say a third goes to my wife and the balance goes to my children, but that's not what he did. He never updated it. Wow. That, I mean, that, that's, a per, that's a perfect example of why they need to be talking to someone like you while they're going through this, because it, those, situations do, those situations do happen. They do happen. I, I'm dealing with another estate um, where a husband and wife were married in the early 90s. They've been divorced since 2010. They've both moved on and have separate spouses and uh, not legal spouses, but separate relationships. And something happened to the wife or the former wife and her will named her ex-husband as the beneficiary and as the executor. Whether you're in the middle of the process or after the process, you have to update your documents. You can't just say, I have something and that's good enough. But it's also on the matrimonial attorneys for you um, on the matrimonial attorneys to sense them or to advise their clients and educate them on these other things for them to think about. It's very good when everybody works as a team together, your, um, your divorce attorney, your estate planning attorney, and everybody shares documents. So everything is consistent with whatever obligations you have under the divorce agreement, right? So that's important to consider as well. Really, step number three, not updating your beneficiary designations, uh, retirement accounts, and, ins and insurance policies. And like you said there, in that case, someone didn't do it and passed away. But we see it all the time. Divorce, not divorce. People just think their wills govern everything. Yes. And they don't, they don't understand that they can update their wills. Uh, but if they don't update their beneficiaries, that the beneficiaries by law goes first. They don't understand how this works. And like you said, I'm sure you see this all the time. Life insurance policies, retirement accounts, pensions, annuities. You need to update your beneficiary designations. And also, Larry, how many times are you sitting across from a client and they say, you know, I'm sure that this person is named as the beneficiary. And you say, just go check. And it turns out it's totally somebody else named as the beneficiary. Wherever you are in the process, I recommend, in the process of the divorce, I recommend that you go back, check your beneficiary designations, and keep a running list. So, you know, check mark what needs to be updated and when. 
Um, and just something I'd like to point out here is that even if it turns out that you want to name your ex as a beneficiary, so for example, you need to under your divorce agreement, it is a practice for you to, to redo your beneficiary designation, even if it's already naming your ex-spouse. So just do it again, post your divorce agreement so that there's no question um, as to what your intentions were, so that you, you wanted to name the ex-spouse and there's no you know, potential family members coming down the road saying, oh, wife didn't know what she was doing naming her ex-husband as the beneficiary. She never updated it. But if you do it after the final divorce agreement, there's no doubt because the dates show that it was after the divorce agreement. Great, great point. And uh, yeah, like you said, we've seen numerous times where there's been either an ex-spouse or a missing child or no beneficiaries. So it's real important there. The, the other thing that we see a lot, and you can explain how kind of handle that, but when they're getting divorced, they no longer are naming their primary spouse. So they decide to name their children the beneficiary, and sometimes their children are under 18. Well, this takes it back to not updating your estate planning documents, because depending on the age of your children, you would want to create a will that has trusts under the will for the benefit of your children. And that would go hand in hand with your beneficiary designations because, yeah, I don't want to name, you know, child number one who's only three years old as a beneficiary, but I would like to name the trust under my will as the beneficiary of child for the benefit of child, you know, who's three years old. Um, so these really all work together, and that's why it's so important to surround yourself with people um, and advisors who like you, like a matrimonial attorney, like an estate planning attorney who are able to advise you and work together. Uh, ab- absolutely. And to review it every so often uh, and update it when it needs to be. Let's move on to uh, to, to planning uh, mistake number four, um, not knowing assets. What do you what do you mean by that, Karen? Typically, and I'm speaking, I guess, to an older marriage, and and no disrespect to anyone who this doesn't apply to, but typically you have one spouse who has more knowledge than the other when it comes to finances. So for example, how accounts are titled, what kind of accounts it is, what the passwords are to access the accounts. So, you know, what does a pension mean? What does a retirement account mean? What is the difference between a 401k and a 403b? What is the difference? You know, I'm just thinking of things that came across my desk even in the last, I don't know, few hours today. So ordinarily, there's one spouse who knows and one spouse that doesn't. So, I mean, I see this on the divorcee side, but I also see it for people who are not getting divorced, just in in a regular um, John and Jane marriage and something happens to John, I, I have a widow come to me and say, but, you know, my husband handled everything. It's really no excuse. You really need to know. So it's your job to educate yourself if your spouse was the one taking care of everything, make sure you get in the trenches and figure out, make a list of what your assets are, figure out how they're titled, do a little research or reach out to the people who can help you figure out what kinds of accounts they are and what it actually means. And I'm sure you see that in your business as well. It's not always the, the, the man who's the, we call the money spouse. We've had a few divorce situations where the husband is our client, is the stay-at-home dad, and the, the mom is the, the financial, not only 
breadwinner, but also the the one that's handling all this. So uh, so it goes it goes both ways. But you're right; it's usually one it's it's usually one over the other. It's usually not kind of sh- shared shared duties there. Um, and if you're not if you're not sure, get, get help. I mean, there there are also besides your your divorce attorney, there are other specialists, CDF. A's who can help um, and assist you on this. So uh, don't be afraid to kind of reach out and get the help that you need. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's move on to uh, estate planning mistake number five, not updating, not updating your asset titles. I guess we talked about beneficiaries. So why don't you explain everything between the titles, beneficiaries, wills, and how that kind of works? Yeah, so Larry, I was just going to say it's a great progression because we spoke about the beneficiary designations and then we spoke about not knowing what the assets are. So maybe we should turn this upside down, but you need to know what your assets are, right? Do I have a bank account? Do I have an investment account? Who is it with? You know, what kind of account it is? But then I need to know how it's titled. What does that mean? Does that mean that I own it by myself? Does it say Karen Birnbaum on it? Or does it say Karen Birnbaum and somebody else on it? Does it say Karen and spouse on it? Does it say Karen and have a beneficiary named on it? So all of these asset titling and beneficiary designations have a consequence to how that asset will pass when you're no longer here. So depending on where you are in the stages of getting divorced, so for example, if I own a house joint with my husband and something happens to me, it automatically goes to him. Even if we're getting divorced, it still automatically goes to him. I have to now sever the ties and change how it's titled if I don't want it to go to him. Um, So I need to understand, I have to have that list of my assets, know who owns them, know who my beneficiaries are, and ignorance is not bliss because if I don't take account for it, I could have assets going to the wrong place. I don't want my assets to go to a former spouse who's now going to commingle it with his new spouse's assets, well, maybe his new spouse's kids' assets. I want it to be for my side of a family or my intentions or wherever I want it to go. Yeah, I mean, we've seen that happen before. Just people get either lazy or they just get caught up in what's going on. So the money from a joint account, uh, once the divorce is finals, will move to the other spouse. And the remaining spouse is like, oh, yeah, I got, I got my money in there. It's now my my account and I can still do it. And they forget to take off the their ex-spouse on the joint account. Right, Larry, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's that people get complacent. So you say, okay, I'm, I'm in this process of getting divorced or I've, I'm finally divorced. And then you say, okay, I'll get to it another day where I'll take that person off the account. And then you never do. Uh, absolutely. And we, we've had, we had one client walk in the door and he, and he goes, you don't have to review our, all our wills and documents. Everything is done perfectly. I, we spent a lot of money, a lot of time getting these done. And we went through it all and there were trust that was supposed to be created on the first death. So we went through it all. And then we went through all of their assets and every one of their assets was joint title on there. So, so I said to him, do you realize how much money would go into these trusts on death? And he said, yeah, X amount of dollars. And I said, no, nothing. Um, because every one of your assets is joint titled. And though the attorney might've mentioned that to him after it was done, nothing was done to change the, uh, the titling of the accounts. We see this all the time in, in various forms. You know, how many times have I created a trust and, and I tell my clients that it, the trust needs to be funded and I help them fill out the forms and then it just never gets funded, right? It's the same idea. 
It's that from beginning to end, don't drop the ball. <laughs> I was going to say this leads to the next the next mistake even because not having a financial advisor or a CDFA or somebody involved to be a family advisor can really help having the beneficiary designations and the asset titles be proper. So um, not having a financial advisor is a big mistake. Um, but again, it's a whole team. It's this team that you need to have. And that's because you have typically the one spouse who has the more knowledge, whether it's the, the male or female of, of the relationship or you know whoever it is, it's usually that person with the knowledge having the relationship with the, uh, with the financial advisor. So if you don't have a financial advisor that you know, if your spouse is the one, your former spouse is the one that had that relationship, find yourself a new one. But you got to find some person to be that advisor in that role to help you make sure that you don't make these mistakes. Common estate planning mistake number seven. Um, DIY documents. How many times do I hear? Can I just use, uh, a, you know, I, I like the advice you're giving, Karen. Can I just uh, go online and use whatever service to online? You know, you fill in the blanks and then they spit out a document. Um, to this, I say two things. A, you don't know what you don't know. So what does that mean? Um, I had an estate, and, and this wasn't somebody going through the divorce. This was somebody who was actually divorced. Um, he had a uh, clothing business, a profitable clothing business, but he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. He knew he was going to die. So he said, I'm just going to go online and create my own will. He had a son who was in his 20s who was involved in the business with him, and he had a daughter in high school. And his goal was to leave everything to his son who was in the business with him um, in terms of the business because the daughter, A, wasn't involved, B, was too young to be involved, and he figured his son after his death would, you know, take over whatever, you know, take over if the daughter wanted to get involved or not. Long story short or short story long is he did his own documents, he passed away, and he made a mess of his estate. And he had to probate his estate, which essentially left everything 50-50 to his son, who was really handling the business, and his high school-aged daughter, 50-50%, and no guardianship provisions and no trust provisions. So, yeah, he was penny-wise, pound-foolish there. So, you know, that leads me to the second thing about the, these uh, DIY docs is you get what you pay for because you don't know what you don't know. Right. So, yeah, he he paid five dollars or whatever it is he paid, but his estate paid more to cover up the mess he made. Yeah, I love that. You don't know what you don't know. That's so true uh, for, for for people that are not experts in the field. So let, let's move on and talk about a couple couple other scenarios. The next couple having to do with, I, I guess, um, either after divorce or before you're getting before you're getting married after divorce and getting remarried. So not having prenups if getting remarried. Right. So this uh, now being forward thinking. So you're you're divorced. You've done it. Great job. <laughs> now to move on a prenup. You know, people don't like to think about it. I'm, I'm dealing with a woman right now. Her husband prematurely passed away. He didn't have a will. He did have life insurance. She was named the beneficiary of a lot of life insurance policies. He, he left her something to the tune of like $10 million in insurance. And she's in a relationship now. And, you know, she needs to consider getting a prenup because, uh, you know, this is the money from the first husband, not from 
the future husband. Um, and, and usually that comes, you know, it used to be that a prenup or a postnup was really looked down upon, you know, what's wrong with this person that they need a prenup? But you're really just protecting your assets. To get a prenup is really just another kind of insurance policy to make sure that you're protected, to make sure that your beneficiaries are protected, and definitely something you should take into account. A- absolutely. And we are seeing, at least maybe, like you said, maybe people now are a little bit more uh, uh, in tune to it and doesn't have that negative connotation as much as it did uh, as it did in the past. Absolutely. I, there used to be that negative connotation to it, exactly. And, and, and I think the stigma against it's really been fading, at least in my arena it has. Yeah. So, Common planning mistake number nine, uh, I can't tell you how many conversations um, I've had with this, with uh, with second blended marriages um, after they've been married once but once before. So not doing special planning consideration in a blended marriage. So every mistake planning, uh, estate planning mistake we've said so far is uh, what magnified in a, in a blended marriage. So in a marriage where both spouses have kids or one spouse has kids and the other doesn't, you need to take into account everybody's feelings or primarily yours, but how you want everything to play out. So if you are married now to a new spouse and you have kids and your spouse doesn't have kids, well, do you want everything to end up with your spouse and then your spouse can leave everything to, you know, his cousins out, uh, you know, I don't know, somewhere across the world, or did you want everything to go to your children? So there are ways to, I call it controlling from the grave. So there are ways for you to control your assets from the grave. So maybe I leave assets in trust for my spouse with my kids as the trustees or my kids and my spouse as the trustees. But then on my spouse's death, I leave everything to my kids ultimately. Or what what if I have minor children? You know, how am I accounting for my minor children in this new marriage situation? What if I have children or beneficiaries with disabilities? Or what if my new spouse has children and I don't have children? Am I adopting their children? Am I considering them as my own? There are all of these nuances that you need to take into account. And again, ignorance is not bliss. It's better to be the one directing how your assets should go and directing things like your healthcare proxy, right? Do, is my second spouse going to be the one making my healthcare decisions or are my children going to be the ones making the healthcare decisions? I need to be in control of that. And not only be in control of that, but also think long-term down the road. One, one of the things that we have, we see all the time, well, my new spouse will take care of my kids. And we, we try to explain to them, well, yeah, but your, your new spouse also has his, their own kids. So if something happens to you now, 30 years down the road, do you and the your new spouse's kids say to them, huh, you don't really talk to your 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 deceased wife's kids anymore. Uh, why don't you change the will now? So so thinking that through, and even though you may love this person and trust this person, but do you want to take a chance that something unforeseen is going to happen down down the road? And that's a tough tough thing thing for people to think about. Um, but you we you'd be surprised how many people kind of just say, "Oh, I'll, I'll worry. I won't worry about that." Oh yeah. I mean, I hear it all the time. All of these things are uncomfortable to talk about, by the way. This is not fun, you know, a fun conversation. We're not going to the fair when we have these conversations, but they're so necessary. And finally, common 
estate planning mistake number 10 when it comes to this either divorced or anything but especially when when divorced not having discussions with your loved ones and your and your trustees well yes well that kind of ties this whole conversation up in a bow right because what is it the best laid plans of mice and men you have to have conversations with your fiduciaries so that's your executor your trustees your agents under the healthcare proxy, your agents under the power of attorney, what your ultimate goals are. You don't necessarily need to tell your beneficiaries that they're beneficiaries because maybe you are going to change your mind. But under a healthcare proxy, how can you name somebody and not tell them what your wishes are? How can you have a trustee manage assets for your children and not tell them what your goals are for your children? So for example, um, you know, and, and related but unrelated, when you have a disabled child and you set up a supplemental needs trust for the benefit of a child, one of the most important things you can do is create a letter for the trustee of this trust to tell the trustee about your child so the trustee knows how to manage those assets. The same is true for all of what we're talking about. Have those conversations. How can these fiduciaries act on your behalf if they don't know? So these conversations, while they're not fun, like we just said, they're very important to have. Yeah, and one of the one of the simplest basic ones that we ask clients: uh, Have you told the trustee or your loved ones where the original will and documents are? Especially the healthcare proxy, if they need if they need them at a certain time, they don't want to have to be trying to figure out where they are. And uh, I'm sure you've seen this before, where people can't find them. Uh, but we find that all, all all the time, and it's and you need to have the original documents, correct? Absolutely. Well, for the will, you need the original. Um, the power of attorney, you technically need the original. Um, the healthcare proxy, a living will, it could be a copy. But I have to tell you, I belong to a listserv for estate planning attorneys. And how many times a day we get emails saying, do you have the will for so-and-so? Or does anybody know where the will of Jane Doe from the county of, I don't know, Rockland is? Has anybody prepared that will? Because they're not having these conversations. Right? Had had the family members just known where the assets, uh, where the will was, they would contact and, and take care of it. So again, hard conversations yet necessary. Right, especially in a divorce scenario where you, your children, there may not be. It's not you not have your spouse who's going to be the one to know the document. It's going to be probably somebody that you're not living with. So, so, so these are the top ten common estate planning mistakes that Karen sees out there. And I would suggest anyone, whether you're divorced or just need some estate planning advice and documents prepared to reach out to Karen. Karen, thanks so much for joining us today. How can the listeners reach you? Sure. Um, I am available. Uh, you could give me a call 631-777-2401 or feel free to send me an email. Uh, my email address is K like Karen, B like Burnbaum at S like summer, E law, NY like New York.com. Um, and you could check out our website, schwartzinger.com. Karen, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Karen and Larry, this was fantastic. Uh, this is much needed information. Definitely pitfalls you want to avoid. Larry, thank you so much for bringing Karen on the show today. Oh, you're so welcome, Eric. All right. And of course, our last thank you is for you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Retire Right Podcast with Larry Heller. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Larry comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. 
This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Hello Wealth Management, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time.